Hey buddies, how's it going? I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know it's been a while since I've posted. I do apologize. Life's been getting kind of busy, so hopefully I can get back on track with uh, posting more content more frequently. So I wrote down what my intro is going to be. So if you're watching this, please bear with me. I'm going to be reading off of my phone, which is just below the camera. Welcome to Morva Stumpa, where we're going to be lacing up our spikes and diving into the world of track and field with coach Megan Tomei the guiding force behind Indiana University's track and field program. Join us as we sprint through insightful discussions, hurdle over challenges, and pole vault into the stories that shape champions. This is the podcast where track meets talk, and excellence is the finish line. So let's hit the track with Coach Megan. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. So Megan, go ahead and introduce yourself to all the amazing listeners that we're going to have today. So many. Um, My name is Megan Tomei. Mm. I am with Indiana University track and field program right now. Um, Originally from Ohio, do some strongman competitions and stuff too. But yeah, it's basically who I am. That is awesome. Well, how long have you been doing the track and field coaching? Um, I've been coaching collegiately for six years. Yeah, it's my sixth year. So I was at Youngstown State University beforehand, a little mid-major over in Northeast Ohio, and first year at IU. How you liking it at IU? I like it a lot. It's very different than what I'm used to. Obviously, mm-hmm. Power 5 is a lot different. And we're adding in new teams now, too. So we have yeah, so we have UCLA. I know you know so much about sports. Everything. USC, Washington, and yes. Oregon. So we're adding four of the those Pac-12 schools mm-hmm. into the Big Ten, which mainly happened because of um, the football and football and uh, what they were doing online and everything. Mm-hmm. So the way that their TV programs were going, it worked better for them. They got more money if they went over to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot. There's a lot more better teams out there. Track and field is really good in all those programs too. So this could be difficult for us as well as obviously football is going to struggle quite a bit and it, but it makes it better at the same time too. Is there a lot that you have to deal with? Like your, your players, you just, do you call them your players, your students or what do you athletes. call them? Just your athletes? Honestly, sometimes I call them kids and people get upset with me about it, but like kind of feels like a family and mm. the way that you coach is kind of, even though I am younger, but I, I call them kids sometimes too. Student athletes. Do you ever have issues with them? Like, going out and partying all the time, getting drunk. Cause I know that I use a huge party school Yeah, and I never went to college. I attended one class for one semester and was asked to leave. So I obviously just resigned from it completely, but isn't it like a huge party school? So do you have to deal with all the kids like going out getting drunk and yeah. doing all that kind of stuff all the time and trying to come in and train? Yeah. I mean, obviously it is. And I, I kind of have an idea of, I do know when they do it or not. You can tell mm. when they come to practice what they look like and what they're doing. But I also make my workouts pretty hard mm. and I like to make them hard. So usually the kids that I have there know what the reason why they're training and what they're doing. And it's like if they go out sometimes during the fall, I think that there's a, it's okay to have a bit of a balance sometime. But once spring and, and summer and everything else hits, like it's time to train and get a bit more serious about things because it is a bit more difficult with track that we have an indoor and outdoor season that we're training for. So the way that the NCAA works is, um, you have your top athletes in the country, make it to nationals. And then for outdoor, you have top 48, make it to regionals. 
And then from regionals, the top 12 from regionals make it to nationals. So it's a bit more difficult for outdoor, but outdoor you, you end up bringing in more events too. So a lot more kids try to go more to the, the outdoor side of things than indoor too. And obviously Olympically, it's a outdoor sport. What creates like the best athlete that can come to you? Like what attributes? Uh, I really go for mindset over just talent. Like if you have a kid that's very talented and they don't work hard, I don't want anything to do with you. Like I've seen so much of that. It's just a wasted talent in my opinion. So I much rather have the kid that's willing to grind and willing to, willing to go the extra mile for me in, in that regards. Um, so mainly mindset, obviously now adding in some other teams, it's going to be a bit more difficult for us to score. And I think majority of us are trying to win big tens and try to go farther in big tens. So obviously that changes the game with some of the people we're recruiting to. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to recruit some obviously bigger kids, more athletic kids, more stronger. And you just move them from, you know, seven to 10 where before you might be moving a kid that was at a five to a seven, you know? So just trying to get some more scoring skill from, I'm just using more like talent level okay. of athletes of trying to get more higher talent levels to try to continue to build them even farther in their career rather than developing kids on the back end. You want your glasses stolen? Oh yeah. <laughs> I just looked. You never know. Could be yeah. a little shady in here. <laughs> I was going to see you want to pop those down. And talk <laughs> you Good. I watched a, I watched a podcast with a guy that did that. He left his glasses on the entire time. Honestly, I have a tendency of having them on top of my head all the time anyways. I don't know. I didn't know if they were bothering you or not. So with one thing that I've always wondered about a lot of those athletes, like how are you, obviously there's recruiters, there's guys going out and watching these kids play. Mm -hmm. Like how do you get word of them playing in schools? It's just because like newspapers are posting about them. Schools are really showing them off. Yeah. So it depends on every athlete and every sport. So obviously for football, you might see more like if your team's better, you're obviously going to get more views. Same thing with all team sports. We're a bit easier because we're an individual sport. So I can look up rankings nationally to see where every kid in the nation is. So you can kind of go off that. And then honestly, all coaches, we all creep. So we all look at, if we all look at their Instagram, we all, we look at their Facebook, we look at everything. So they have to have good social media. Follow. Yeah. What? I, no, no, it has oh, nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, it's, it's honestly just says a lot about you with like mm-hmm. what you're willing to post. And like, you know, if kids are posting that they're going out partying in high school, like they don't really want anything to do with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also some kids that you can tell that they're grinders, even off their social media. And it kind of helps just to get an idea of what to talk to them about too. And what they're about when they want to do. So, um, all, we always look at social media and honestly, we get an idea of what your build is like. So it's kind of like you see some kids in high school, they'll throw far and they may not throw that far in college. And obviously the, the coach may not have worked well for them. That system might not have worked well, or maybe it was just what their genetic potential was. So I don't like try to point blame on any coach. I think that, you know, all programs can be good for certain individuals, um, but I think you definitely have to have a, a wider scope with some other attributes that they could have. How do you balance like weightlifting with like a cardio type workout? Oh. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure there's a huge, are you talking about yeah. for my athletes or for, for me? Yours, okay. For your athletes. So we are, 
only actually throwing for a couple seconds, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a very ballistic style training. We have to be very powerful with what we do. However, if you have no cardio whatsoever, then we can't take more reps at a higher volume, doing things more at a uh, higher level, right? So like the more cardiovascular base that you build in the off season, the, the better outcome you can have because you can do more volume at a higher level. So I work a lot with Cal Dietz. Are you familiar with him? Okay. So he does triphasic training. Um, and he incorporates a lot of cardiovascular within the actual strength and being ballistic and powerful too. So I kind of sprinkle that into a lot of my programming. Is there like a lot of kettlebell workouts as well? Um, I don't know for shot putting. No, 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 there's no kettlebell workouts. I mean, we might do like kettlebell swings, like swings. That's about it. Yeah. It's not really. like... See, I was imagining in my head. I was like, oh, they probably got to do like a lot of kettlebell swings. No, no, not at all. So what are, what are the workouts? Walk me through one of the workouts. Okay. So we do fall conditioning first in this like fall. So like if you're a freshman coming in, we're going to go through four or five weeks of fall conditioning and then we're going to go into an eccentric block. Mm-hmm. So there, have you ever done like eccentric work? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So we do um, about two and a half weeks of eccentric work, mm-hmm. straight up eccentrics. But the way that we add some more cardio stuff is like during your rest time. So you might be doing um, safety squat. So you're at a heavier load with your safety squat. But then instead of just sitting down and resting, you might be doing kettlebell swings in between. Or you might be doing a lunge series. Or you might be doing um, good mornings or something else along those lines. So, But then you go back to your squat. And it allows you to be more balanced as an athlete too. So it's not just doing one exercise in between every big lift, but it's having a lot of exercises in there. So it makes the athlete very balanced and more athletic. It allows a lot with, I mean, eccentric work helps out a lot anyways. Um, And then we'll have some auxiliary stuff after that too. So we'll have a a warm-up phase that we do beforehand, and then we'll go back and forth with the main stuff, and then we'll have some auxiliary stuff afterwards. You've got to have like a super strong core for a lot of this. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the the problem with a lot of coaches. They don't put enough transverse plane stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And like everything you do, you need that. And especially with throwing because there's a lot of torque on the body. Like God did not make us to throw. Like you're putting yourself in some very odd positions and you know, like hammer throw, like, have you ever seen the hammer throw? I've seen like it from the Olympics. Yeah. But like, I've never been to one of these competitions. I've, yeah. So I've done it either. I've thrown a hammer. Does that count? <laughs> I threw a hammer. I threw a hammer out in like Mexico. Yeah. Don't ask me why I was in Mexico. Oh, you can ask me why I was on a mission trip. But like, they're like, let's do the hammer throws. And I'm like, I've never done a hammer throw. Like, yeah. They're like, oh, we just throw the hammer, see how far, whoever makes it farthest wins. And I'm like, well, what do we win? Like, you got a dirt over there. Like, you can get the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the hammer throw takes a lot of, this sounds bad, but I always tell my athletes that's the only place you can be passive aggressive. Because you really have to be so patient for the hammer, but then you have to be very aggressive with the hands at the same time. And it's a lot of attention, a lot of being able to react really quick too. So there's a lot to it. And there's a lot that the athletes need to overcome in a short amount of time. Because obviously we only have four to five years with them. And, you know, some of these athletes are doing it for 
a decade or longer. So at that point when they're coming to you guys or you're even afterwards? Well, beforehand, I mean, I got one athlete that I'm actually really excited about that. She just started throwing like two months before she got to college. And a lot of people would kind of write her off and like, absolutely not. But just because of her experience level with throwing. Yeah. Yeah. So like she didn't throw it all. Right. So like, how are you going to make it at a big 10 school when you do that? But every once in a while, you'll see a kid that you're like, I see something in them. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you see that more often than not. Right. Because you want to try to bring out the best of every kid and trying to highlight that and show them that there's more that you can do. Um, But, you know, she she loved IU and loved everything about the school. And she came in, you know, benching 230. And yeah, she had some really good weight room numbers. She came in benching 230. Yeah. Yeah. So that's impressive. Yeah. So, um, she's a strong girl and I know that she was athletic. Like how tall is this girl? She's like six one. Six one. What's her weight? Yeah. Uh, she's close to 200. She's about 195. Really? Mm-hmm. Just stacked build. Yeah. She's built really well. So awesome. when you see someone like that and she just has a great attitude about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, she can do something. And if she doesn't do anything, she's still going to be able to help the team. Mm -hmm. She still has a really good, like, grinding work ethic. So, like, you know, I I took the risk of having her come on the team. She's doing awesome so far. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see where she's going to end up going. And, yeah. What are are typically the chances of of one of your students, like, moving on from after college to go towards I would assume like the Olympics would be one yeah. of them. What 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 are some other things that they can go on to after college? Yeah, so Okay, my friend for example, mm-hmm. she uh Mary, so she actually trains in Bloomington for Olympic lifting. And she just went to the Pan Am Games and got gold, but she was originally awesome. a thrower. So there's a lot of like athletic events that come off from like after throwing. Um, and she just got silver at worlds too. So she's doing amazing with like where she's at after throwing career. Right. I chose Strongman. A couple of my other friends chose Highland games. Um, the Highland games, or is that like the Irish? Yeah. Or Scottish, the Scottish, Scottish. Game? Yeah. Okay. So you, I went to one of those games before. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so up all the kilts, yeah. right. Yeah, Throwing yeah. cabers all around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so fun fact, I don't know if you know this, but you have to, you're supposed to be like in a clan if you're, yeah. yeah so, okay. Yeah. So you are familiar. So when I went, it was, um, it was a thing up North and each, each group I was like, Oh, like, do we just draw straws when we get there? They're like, no, like I wasn't even allowed to play. Yeah. They wanted me to play, but I was like, no, no, no. Like I'm good. I'll just, whoever needs a player, I'll just go up there and play. And they're like, that's not how it works, yeah. bro. Like you've got to be a part of like, it's like a family. Almost. It looked to me like each one of them were families. Right. And they all had their own names and it was all like Scottish names. Yep. Everyone comes in with their kilts. I thought it was kind of weird. Yep. Cause I'm like, these are grown men wearing dresses. You're not supposed to wear and anything underneath. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go around asking like, you got like underwear underneath that. So like I'm showing up in pants and I was one of the only ones there. You had like full was, on pants. I had full on pants. Like I, I'm a, Oh, that's why you couldn't play. I'm showing up to, to play. Like yeah. I'm, I've got pants on. I got a t-shirt on. I got my glasses. I'm like, I'm ready to throw some shit. And then they're like, yeah, no, for one, you have to be a part of a group. Like one of the, I don't, they may have said clients. This was a few years back. Yeah. And, but the games looked like a ton of fun. They had like a telephone pole yeah. that they got a chuck. And then there was a couple like things where you're throwing like an ax or something like that. I can't really remember. You throw, you throw some things at some boards. Salmons. 
salmons. My one friend are like, you throw like a fish. Yeah. It's kind of like a joke, but like they threw a salmon, <laughs> but like they threw a lightweight hammer, heavyweight hammer, um, open stone, uh, sheaf, the big like thing that looks like hay with the fork. Yes. yes. Sheaf, um, caber. I don't know if I can name all of them. They do lightweight over bar, heavyweight over bar, I believe. Um, but yeah, two of my friends won worlds. That is awesome. Yeah. I know a lot of high up people. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not there people. yet though. So yeah. yeah. Um, but Are yeah, you, they're doing you, awesome. I actually, when I was over in Scotland mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, I ended up getting my friend that won worlds a kilt from over there. Mm. Yeah. It's a big deal. Have you given it to her yet? No, not Him, yet. her. Her, yeah. It, they, yeah. them. Is that all the things there? That's the reason why I could never go to school now. Yeah. I could not. That is that. a big thing. It's a big dumb thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, had, we had one patient. I can talk about it. Uh, we had one patient that we're like, so, uh, sir, where would you like to go to the hospital? And he's like, I'm they. I'm like, oh. So I, I'm in that zone where <laughs> I'm in that zone where I'm thinking like, Work related, they okay. Is there another patient? Oh, and right. then he goes, No, I'm they. And I'm like, Oh, bro, like I'm thinking here, like patient, that, all that yeah, kind of stuff. So that, that got it got me thrown off. And but for us, like I had to sit there and ask my my chief about it. For us, it's it's a different thing when it's a medical problem. And exactly. You're sitting, you're yeah. Here talking about a lot of that, but that would just it just confuses me, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning it. But it's very confusing to me when they're sitting there trying to use yeah. the gendered language. You I know, honestly, even from the same side of like a medical standpoint, mm-hmm. if let's say they are transitioning or something, like you actually kind of need to know that if they're pumping in different hormones or mm-hmm. something like that with what you're doing. Yeah, too. We had a, a transgender patient that kept going into seizures all the time. And it was the medication that he he was on, and it was a he to a she, mm-hmm. and he wanted us to refer to himself as a her, but we we can't. Like we could say, mm-hmm. I, I had we would just ask, "What's your name?" He would tell us his name, but we have to treat him as what he was because if he's right, it, there's certain medications that we can give that, or that if he's on. Uh, like erectile dysfunction medication that if we give him nitro, it can kill him. Right. So it's like, we need to know this kind of stuff. So there's, there's the difference between that we have to be, there's obviously a respectfulness and you have to be honoring to that person's uh, emotions and personalities, but also it's life and death at points. So where it's like, okay, we need to cut this out, like draw this away. I need to know about you biologically. So that way we can get a full discussion of what's really going on. So it's a very difficult spot to be in because I know like people listening in might think like, oh, these guys are jerks. Like, no, but we just, the the medicines that we have could kill this person. So we have to be very straightforward into it. Yeah. And that's why to me, it's like, it's hard to separate that from work than going out in public, which I just ask what their name is. Yeah. Speaking of which, I actually feel like I was listening to another podcast earlier and, um, they were asking like the the one thing that strength conditioning is really leaving out right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, we talk a lot about different programs and different ways to accomplish things, talk about our goals and mentality, right? But and even the nutrition side of things, right? We talk about nutrition and even recovery. But from a female standpoint, I feel like no one really talks about our hormones and talks about like how that plays into effect with especially a strength 
sport Mm -hmm. and what we're trying to accomplish too. And one of my really good friends is like, she's aware of this issue and she's a researcher and she does a phenomenal job doing especially research for females that are in like strength based sports. Are you talking about like when they're on their like periods? Sure. Yeah. Um, But even like, you know, I went to a a seminar one time and they were trying to explain men's hormones and Mm -hmm. they viewed it as a light switch. And then they showed female hormones and it was like wires all over the place. And it's like, it's where their brains were too. (laughs) And it's all chaotic. Right. So it's like, it's very overwhelming and there really hasn't been that much research on it. To Explain begin with. to me how that works then. Cause I, I'm a guy. Yeah. Like, I can go into the gym and I don't take pre-workout. I just, I know for me, it's just like, I just gotta lift it. And then how does that work for a woman? You know, that's interesting. I appreciate that guy actually asked me that. Um, I, I feel like, you know, you can obviously be tired when you're like around that time, this is weird talking about during this podcast, but, um, when you're like, it's not that weird. well, yeah. I've just never talked about it like <laughs> formally before, but, um, like when you're about to, you know, start your period, mm-hmm. you have PMS, right. And like, you might be really tired during that time. You might have cramps, you might have mm-hmm. all that stuff and you might have mood swings, but like with mood swings come a bunch of chemical imbalances and hormone responses. And, you know, there's there's charts to show um like difference in strengths and difference in cortisols and different in, like there's so much going through the female body that can be very difficult through that process of like oh i'm trying to max out during this time or i have a huge competition during this time and that just so fact in lines with like the first day of my period and like it's a whole thing from there mm-hmm. too so and like i have pcos so it's polycystic ovary syndrome. Have, have you heard of that? I have not actually. Heard yeah. Of that. So it's a, a syndrome where you have cysts on your ovaries, basically. Oh, but it actually helped me out because it helps with your testosterone, like helps raise your testosterone with it. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, yeah. you know, in a sense, but like also not good in a lot of other senses. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's also aspects like that, that like women will have more problems with sometimes in men and like i've been with a couple athletes one like while i was in school and another while i was coaching that had like horrible periods and it really messed up their lifting and like they were out for a while with it yeah so it's like i couldn't imagine and like okay so for if you do have pcos and you have a cyst burst Mm -hmm. it's awful miserable yeah it's miserable i had a my sister had that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she had a cyst burst. We had to rush her to the emergency room. Yeah. I thought she was faking it the entire time. I'm like, this is some BS. This is nothing. And then she's, oh, and then. Oh, we it's found super out. painful. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's obviously all that stuff when it, it comes to training too that can be a lot more hairy to kind of go into. Um, but I, I think with training in general, you shouldn't be naive to any aspect, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so I came from a D2 school where my coach had to know and do absolutely everything. So he was your nutritionist. He did a lot of the AT work. He did a lot of the mental stuff. He did like soft tissue stuff. Like he was doing everything as well as a strength conditioning coach and the throws coach. So I'm used to that background. 
where you kind of have to know a little bit of everything. But I feel like that made me a better coach because I do have to know a little bit of everything from that background where now when you're at a big 10, you have someone that's a nutritionist, you have someone that's your AT, you have all these people online for you where you don't have to do anything. But I feel like if that was my role as a coach and I was naive to all those other facts, it's not going to make me a better coach because I need to know all those other alignments in order to get the best results. What type do these, so when these athletes come to you guys and they're going through their training and what type of rehabilitation do you put them through? Do you guys have like an on-site doctor or a chiropractor or masseuse therapist and then like sauna work, ice work? Like all the above, basically. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what's their routine on that then? It depends on each individual and like mm-hmm. what they need and what they have. Um, also each in- institution and like what they have at that time too, right? So like right now we don't have a chiropractor. I had a chiropractor at your, my previous institution. Um, so it just kind of depends on that. But we do have a doctor that's there at basically all time. So if you come to me, you know, and you're like, hey, my ankle is messed up. I think I need to get an MRI. Well, you know how I would normally go, hey, you have to come back, do this rehab for a couple of weeks, get an x-ray, come back, do some more rehab. And then if you're still having issues, then we'll order an MRI. There it's like if you tell them that morning, you'll get one in the afternoon. So that's a perk of Big Ten too, yeah. right? Um, so they have that accessible to them. They have the stuff in the AT room is pretty insane. I, they, a lot of places have alter G's now. Have you ever heard of that? What is that? So it's a treadmill and you put on this like suit kind of thing around your waist and you zip into it and you can say, Hey, I've been messing with the ankle issue, but I still want to feel some of my like running patterns. I'm only going to run on 20% of my body weight and it fills up with air and it's almost like. You're just floating, kind of like you're on the moon, right? And you're just running in in your same pattern, but only 20%. So it's not hurting you at all. So we have that, but then we also have one that actually goes underwater. So it's a treadmill underwater, and there's cameras coming out. So we can look to see exactly how your stride is, how you're striking the ground with everything. Um, We actually just, just got this new one, too, that's an insole in your shoe, and it shows... Like where, yeah, how you're stepping, how you're striking the ground, your force that you're putting in the ground, which I like to see how much force that you're going to be able to put through the ground too. So like as you're performing your, yeah. So there's all that kind of stuff. Like we obviously have hot tubs, cold tubs. A Mm -hmm. lot of the kids like that. It's kind of easy. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's so many modalities over there. It can be a bit overwhelming with everything, right? Like we have access to everything now, right? Mm -hmm. So I try to just kind of like sprinkle some ideas in the athletes like, hey, maybe you should go try cupping tomorrow. Maybe you should go try dry needling. Maybe you should try this Mm -hmm. or that. Um, You know, because like when I was in school, we didn't have that accessible to us. Did you ever have you ever tried dry needling? Mm -hmm. How was your result with it? It worked really well for me. Did it? Yeah, but I've heard like completely different responses yeah. for different people. I've had it done on me and it did not work. Yeah, I've heard that like quite a bit. I don't know if it's like partially the person. I think it's partially the person, but I also think it might be who may also be dry needling you. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had a <clears throat> for our, for at my work, we have a the guy who used to work for the Colts, and he would he's working for us now at our department it's forte sports okay and we utilize them a lot which they've been great so he was doing dry needling to me it would like help in the moment 
And then right after he pulls them out, I would go right back to pain in my lower back. Yeah. And then um, <coughs> finally figured out some of the area of where I'm having issues at. I've got like all these knots that run across like my lower part of my back with the muscles that swing out. Mm-hmm. And I've just got a ton of knots in there. But like the dry needling part, I thought would be, I thought would break apart some of that, but mm-hmm. it, I, it, it, it didn't do anything. So what'd you find for results? So the results right now on it are he he named all the muscles to me and stuff like that. No pure the piriformis is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this it's really tight, <laughs> super tight piriformis, and then also the muscles that run uh, across like the spine at the very bottom that go across like the rear part of your mm-hmm. pelvis. They were just all knotted up. So like when I squat down, so did you do like a butt wink? A butt wink. That's what they call it. So like when you're at the bottom of your squat and your pelvis. Tilts, tilts, tilts to one side so it's uneven. Mm. Yes. So mine does that. So if I go into a mirror and I come down, I'll do it towards the camera that way you can see. When I come down when I'm doing a squat, it doesn't come straight down and then straight back up. It comes it comes down a decent amount and then it shifts to mm. one side like that. And then I come back up and I can feel it when I'm coming down on it. I could feel it as I'm squeezing because I've got I'm driving my heels into the ground because I'm trying to focus on glutes and then a little bit of hammies but not too much but mainly glutes. Mm-hmm. I feel it and then I notice that one side's getting larger obviously mm-hmm. because it's getting more of the development in it. And then um, once I saw it in a mirror, I'm like, oh, this is a problem. So that, since he's been working on that, just basically just rubbing those muscles mm-hmm. and breaking that apart, I've noticed that 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 distance has been kind of brought back to normal now. Okay. But I did the dry. I've done all si- all sorts of things, and I even had back surgery on it. So like, oh wow! So like I had back surgery. I had I you did didn't have cupping. back surgery because you had knots. So no, not knots. No, I had back surgery because of a disc. But they're thinking because a lot of that stuff that was happening in my lower back, it's all in that same area mm-hmm. that it possibly could have caused more issues going up because of the deviation in my hip. Mm. So like I know like if you lay if I lay down, one leg is shorter than the other. Well, it's really just my hip that's raised up. So when you had that back issue, what do you know what caused your disc or was it just kind of going through natural life? Everybody else tells me it's from lifting heavy, but I've had back issues since I was a kid. Okay. So for me, it's just always been not being like super cautious on hamstring development and stretching and glute and abdominal stuff. And then when I went through a lot of my training in the beginning when I was lifting, I was focused really strongly on my form, but I was also throwing a lot of weight at mm-hmm. the time and it just didn't help having an un, like a very unhealthy back. And my, my brother's got the same back as I do mm-hmm. and I was lifting earlier than he was and he was still having issues with his back. So it was just, I think it was a genetical thing. I think it was going to happen regardless. I just made it happen a little bit faster. Yeah. And sometimes there's like, there's a lot of things that you can do within your training mm-hmm. to look a little bit differently. And, um, I worked with a Cairo that I'm, I'm really close with that knows a lot about the hammer throw too. He's a really good athlete. So he taught me different ways of squatting and different ways to kind of help that syndrome. So I was, I also had a disc out of place mm-hmm. and I really didn't want to choose a surgery route. Yeah, it's not the greatest. So I went to, uh, Basically everything that I could to not go that route. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like I've learned a lot over that time period. So it was one of those time periods where I was doing really well athletically, but I, I knew that I uh, wanted to come back too. So 
I learned from a, a Cairo to do different breathing techniques to help with that. And it, like my back was so bad. I would do these breathing techniques, just like lying on the ground breathing and it would crack my back. Mm-hmm. And it was so relieving. So a lot of times when you, if you have too much of an arch in your low back too, your, um, your vertebrae will push down at the wrong angle if you arch back. And it pushes against that disc, which pushes against the nerve, which is what you end up feeling too, instead of having it where your disc are more, like more uh, straight on, right, with your vertebrae. So then that disc is more in there and not just squeezing out, pushing towards nerves. So I was doing it wrong for a while where I was squatting with too much of an arch and even the hammer throw, like when you... If you have too much tension pulling you forward and you don't have your hips underneath you, you're going to have a lot of low back issues. So I was doing that wrong on top of lifting wrong and it caused a bunch of mm-hmm. issues with that. Same thing. I was trying to go too heavy at the same time too, but like you have goals. So you're trying to, you, you know, go after games. it. Yeah. yeah. I had no use of my right leg. Yeah. So like I couldn't move my right leg. I had to for eight months. Yeah. It gets kind of scary. Oh yeah. It was horrible. So like I was, I was still working. Oh so man, I couldn't take off work. It was a whole situation with insurance and everything. Insurance is a scam, <laughs> and it was absolutely miserable. Yeah, but and I hate when we've we've had patients that have had back pain, so I obviously jump straight on in mm-hmm. because it's like I can relate. And so I had a bulging disc, and then so they ended up just doing a laminectomy, dissection, uh, dissectomy, laminectomy. So they just cut it right off yep. the back, and it was between L four L five. And right now, I I found out I've got like. L- I've got L, I got L five S one now, okay. and then L three L four. So those ones are kind of one of them's completely deflated, like it's just straight on down. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool, it's fused by itself. And then they're like, that's not the greatest thing in the world. I'm like, I don't feel pain, so I'm gonna just keep going, do what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I had no use of the right leg, so I couldn't do anything for the longest time. I had, oh, man. I lost some serious muscle mass in my legs Ugh, because I had sucks. to stop with it. it. Was that was the worst part about it? Like I was more upset the fact that I lost muscle mass on it. Yeah. So when you when you're having your your students, your athletes, your kids dealing with them having a loss, not being able to break their own PR, it's how do you deal with that as their coach with trying to get them back on track? Mm-hmm. Well, it, our season's so long. Mm-hmm. So, and it's very hard to obviously peak a lot. Right. So I try to keep things very consistent to allow for them to have the best that they can and be a more linear approach than dig them down too deep and then try to dig back up and have like a, the alter effect, right. Of just, having them PR for conference and, and nationals and things along those lines. Um, but it really depends on the athlete. Cause I think it's really important for the coaches to have a good communication with their athletes and kind of know how they work and know how they interact with one another to see what their why is too. obviously helps out a lot too. So if they're going through a difficult time with, you know, not PR and you have to look at things differently too. So I have, three different programs going out to my athletes. And then it even gets more dissect based off of what they're doing from there. So it's very individualized. So if something's not going right, I, I take a look outside the circle and be like, okay, is it something that we're doing physically in the weight room? Is it something that we're doing technically? Is it something that we're doing mentally? 
Like, is it something completely outside of it, right? Because there, there's so many reasons why you couldn't be performing well. It might be they broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, it might be that, you know, stuff going on at home. So um, I think it's important to kind of try to look at it at every angle and see what might be going on. And sometimes it takes a second for them to tell you. But once you kind of know about it and you go through that process then you kind of get them back on the right track and, and going in the right direction again. And I think it really helps out just to have those open conversations with them to, to help build their blueprint too, right? Like I'm here to use as a resource and I will continue to continue to learn because I don't know everything, but I like learning from the best of the best, right? So I've worked with four world record holders within the throws and a lot of other Olympians that were phenomenal resources for me. So I just kind of, you know, use what they've given me as resources. And I was kind of build off that. Like we were talking as other, I was talking with another coach the other day and he was like, you know, I used to do stuff that I just saw from like other programs that were successful, but I didn't really know the why of why I was doing that. And that kind of shook me the wrong way. Like, why would you just hand someone a piece of paper when you weren't sure what the reasoning was for it. Right. So like I'm more of the kind of coach that's if you're going to teach me something, I'm going to question you. And it's not because I'm questioning what you're doing. I just want to learn why. And then we can kind of take a step approach from that. And thankfully I've been with really good coaches that realize I'm not trying to question what they're doing, but just learn. Um, and they, you know, they really helped me out be better coaches for that reason. And I was, I think I'm a better coach for that reason as well too. So I like to learn more of like the research behind it. And that's why I like to learn more about like the body and the mental aspect and how we can make like the best athlete possible and actually reach you to your max potential. What is the most interesting, what is the most interesting part of the body that you find to be the most attractive to what you have your athletes train on? The spine. Ooh. Yeah. If you got a good spine. Yeah. You can go a long way. Yeah. Even like rotational movements with this, like the thoracic too, Mm -hmm. like the spine means a lot and how you can move around that. And, you know, like when I coach, I look a lot for stability and And which aspect of stability, like just. So like you can only go as fast as you are stable. So if I'm asking an athlete to just blow through positions, that's going to mean nothing. So if I can teach them how to be stable and I work from typically the ground up within that position and you feel, so I even work on their feet strength, right? So like you have strong feet and strong ankles because I'm asking you to be on single support and turn your entire body Mm -hmm. weight on just one foot. That's a lot, right? So you, if you don't have good foot strength, you're just going to collapse in the middle. You're not going to be able to hold that arch up. Um, so working on small things to help with like stability in that way. So then you can actually allow for maximum potential in the throw, right? So like for us, the only thing that really matters is the speed of the implement when you let go of it and the angle. That's the only thing that matters. The ball has no idea what your technique looks like. No idea how tall you are, your ethnicity, your race, whatever. It only knows how the angle and and the speed that you release it. So that's why you see a bunch of different techniques and the implement still goes far. So I think that's why it's important to uh, highlight athletes' strengths and still focus on their weaknesses to build that up while highlighting their strengths. What are some of the ways to strengthen your feet and ankles? 
Um, so Caldeeds does a method where uh, you basically have like a squat belt and you tie it to the rack and you push your knee over your toe and you go into like a extension there with your foot. Like stretching the calf basically. Is that what we're trying to achieve um, on that? Trying to put as much force through the ground with your foot basically. A lot of force. Well, like driving down. Yeah. Yeah. So like they used to do it. Um, they call it spring ankle series. So they used to do it where like someone was like pushing down on you and you kind of raise your, your foot up as you go and you just do one side at a time. And he actually changed it a bit to make it better where you have a belt squat around you and you're pulling against a rig. So you ultimately can push as much force as you want. You're not mm-hmm. going anywhere. Do you guys do like a lot of static exercises or is it just mainly eccentrics? Um, no, so we're just doing eccentrics right after fall conditioning. Then we did isometrics. Okay. After that, it's more power phases after that. But I do it a bit differently too. So he Cal does a great program of um, you running like a sprint of a 20 meter. And he'll see the acceleration you had from 0 to 10 meters and 10 to 20 meters. And based off that, he can tell you if you need isometrics, power, or speed. Mm-hmm. So I kind of fall back into that core category along with um, viewing their their ball cycle and where they are with their heavy ball and light ball and what they need more there. Um, How much those things weigh? So the guy's comp ball is 16 pounds for the shot and the hammer, and then the weight's 35 pounds. What are some of the rules whenever you go to do a shot put? Uh, You have to throw within the sector, and you can't hit over the toe board. And technically, you're supposed to leave the ring when the ball lands and... You're in control. So I leave the little box that you're in. Yeah, the circle, it. but yeah. So is it a circle? It's a circle. I thought it was a box. It's a circle. Shows how much I know. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't do any of that stuff. Like I throw a baseball now, and my shoulder hurts. Yeah. Like I can't. You know, I had a freshman that came, and he threw a football, and his no. whole yeah, it was so bad. We had to rush him to the emergency room. His shoulder was just out. Yeah, he was gone for the the and, whole year. I have a cousin that played Major League Baseball that he was a pitcher. He was a relief pitcher. Oh, wow. And he ended up having to do shoulder surgery when he was in high school. Mm. And it was, and obviously, I feel like I got the same shoulder as he does because, like, I, I threw, I told one of the guys, because I used to be a pitcher as well growing up. Oh, okay. And I loved playing baseball. Mm-hmm. But when I went to go throw the ball, I, I was like, I, dude, I could throw that football really far. And I could at the time when I was throwing. So I go to throw it I'm at the firehouse and I chuck that ball and it went pretty far. It went over the creek and everything. And afterwards, <laughs> oh, that's creek. Really you mean pond? No, <laughs> it was a lake. I threw it. I threw it over the mountains over. And so I threw it over the creek and it wasn't standing just on the other side of the creek. I was standing at our at our old firehouse at the bay doors and I threw it over the creek. I don't. I couldn't tell you how far it was. But after I did that, I was like, oh god, that was great. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going back inside. I'm gonna go lay down. Like I tore my shoulder up. Like the yeah. next day, I couldn't lift it or nothing. So I couldn't imagine being an athlete and like going out and doing something else. There was a bodybuilder, a professional bodybuilder that was competing in the Olympia that he was right. He would ride horses on his farm Mm -hmm. and people were telling all the other bodybuilders were telling him like, dude, don't, don't be riding horses when you're getting ready for a comp. Right. And he was on video. It was actually on one of the documentaries. You can watch it. Uh, It's called, I think it's um, Iron Gym or something like that. And the horse rears back and kicks, and then oh he, my gosh. the horse fell on top of him, and he was out. Like oh, he was up. out of the comp. I know um, when I was younger, they they always said don't throw, do like softball movement with volleyball, 
because like the spiking motion versus mm-hmm. throwing motion. I never asked like any Cairo or any other doctor after that of like how real that statement was. But I know as a kid, everyone always used to make that statement of like, oh no, that's really bad for the shoulder to do both. I think like really anything like is when you get older, like your body's going to start falling apart. Like we have, don't tell me that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to tell you all the stories. Then <laughs> we have patients that like, when you go to pick up old ladies, like we go to pick up old ladies all the time mm-hmm. and they're the sweetest and I love them so much. And they always have cookies and they always have treats. And we have this one old lady. Oh my God. She always is prepared for us because her husband's diabetic oh. and he goes into a little diabetic issues. And she's always got food like bread and stuff made in the freezer. So that way when we come there, she runs into the <laughs> freezer and she grabs out a loaf of bread. That oh, she how made. sweet. Oh, that's so good. You let it thaw out. It tastes amazing. It's still moist for some yeah. reason. I don't know. But when you go to pick them up, you talk about like your body degrading, your bones degrading. When you go to pick up an old lady, you cross their arms over. You pick up anybody like this. Cross their arms over, and I, I reach around, I grab one wrist, I reach around and grab the other wrist. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to stand up, you stand up with them, you'll feel their bones bending yeah. as you're standing up. So I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be like this person one day. I'm going to yeah, be but at this spot. You know, they talk about the uh, aging process versus muscle mass. So the more muscle mass you have, it kind of helps with that process. Also, grip strength is also correlated with that. Really? Yeah. So keep with with the tendons and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. which do you know what your number's at? I don't right now. I have no idea. Yeah. How do you not know? You know yours? Kind of. Well, they didn't, it wasn't a digital one. So like it was on an actual, I was over getting some tests ran and then I saw that they had one as a pinch, like a gun. Mm -hmm. And I don't like those ones. I want the other one that's got the digital screen. Yeah. So I can get the number in my head. (sighs) I don't remember where it was at. See, you don't remember anything. I don't remember. You should have one in here. So like Ooh. your guests come in, if they don't reach a certain max, like you well, probably shouldn't have a podcast. With what them. I do challenge. Yeah. They have to get over yeah. hundred pounds. Yeah. You have to, <laughs> if you can't, you're too weak. I did tell one of my bosses yesterday. I was like, I told him what my bench was the other day. We're just, I don't, I don't do one rep maxes. Okay. I cannot do those. I I'm terrified of tearing up my shoulders or yeah. I don't even do flat bench ever. Really? I, I always no. I do not like flat bench. So then what kind of bench were you talking about? Incline, decline, oh, okay. and then with a dumbbell bench. But I did walk into the gym and I walked up to it and there were some, some of my buddies were there and they said, and they had 315 on and I'm like, oh, you boys warming up? Like, obviously you got to talk trash to them, like kind of right. talk them up a little bit. And they're like, ah, oh, no, man, we're getting close to the end. I was like, all right, well, I hope you guys enjoy it. And they were just asking me, like, how many times do you rep this? I was like, I don't know, two or three times. Like, I don't flat bench. Mm-hmm. And I got on there. I did it more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. But I had stopped because I was like, I'm going to tear. I'm 30 years old now. Like, I'm getting, getting to that up there. age. I'm, I'm about to get, a, like, an AARP card. <laughs> and I'm about to be on Medicare here soon. And I'm yeah. going to be dying. And so I'm making this. So, so everyone can remember me. Uh, every, remember me, please. And it was just, but seeing that and then feeling your body getting older, like I love watching younger athletes because it's, it's the potential of what humans can be. Mm-hmm. I truly think that for athletes, as you get older, you don't really like, you have to completely change your direction right. once you're getting older in athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as, and I'd say it's more endurance. Like you change more of your endurance. At that yeah. Point yeah. Some so strength. I feel like I've been around some like high end athletes that are also older mm-hmm. that I, it actually helps me because I see the way that they they train and they're they're still at a high level, right? So 
Um, my coach in college was a four-time Olympian in the hammer throw. And he ended up going after the world's Masters, uh, Masters world record, sorry. Um, and he broke that. So That's we, awesome. yeah, so we were with him the whole time he was training for that. And then my strongman coach, he's done phenomenal. I mean, the guy can pull like 900 pounds. Like he's stupid strong, right? Like deadlift 900? Yeah. Good Lord. Um, and he's, so in strongman, you have OSG and Clash that are like two of the world strongman games. Um, and he's shown up at both of those and performed really high there. And he's also brought a lot of athletes there as well. Um, and he's over 40, so he could go in the master's category, but he stays with the younger guys and he, he does the cut and does the entire process of, of being with that group too, which is kind of cool to watch him train and see the mm-hmm. way that he moves and, and things along those lines too. But he still trains really hard. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's not very common to see no, somebody at his age. It's not. That. But like, you know, even my one other friend that I was talking about for Highland Games, she still competes too. What's her age? Uh, she's early 40s. Yeah. If, if she was here, we'd say like late 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. She she's like, like early, early 40s. 20s. Yeah. I think she might be. I don't know. For early 40s. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. But, you know, she was awesome, too. And she actually beat cancer as well. No yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. That she, is awesome. Yeah, she beat cancer, and then she went to the, the Olympic trials. and After that? Yeah. Yeah, she wore really? a shirt that said, I kicked, I kicked cancer's ass and everything. So That's so cool. Yeah, it was, it was definitely cool. So it's fun to kind of be around those kind of people, too. Like, yeah. I was very big into learning about, like, you are the five people that you hang around the most. So, which is hard with coaching because you move all the time, mm-hmm. right? And you're in different areas. And some of the people that I are great mentors of mine, great friends, don't live in this area. So, granted, there's a lot of great people in this area, too, that I'm really happy that I fell upon. But, um, you know, it's trying to stay connected with those people sometimes, too, and being able to go learn from them and lean on them sometimes, too. But sometimes conversations help, too, you know. It's really tough to find solid people. Mm-hmm. Those those types of people that you find out are just like once-in-a-lifetime types of friends. Yeah. And when you're going through something and they stick with you and they've got your back, like that's a huge deal. Yeah. Like it's very rare. You find out when you're going through something hard, you find out who your friends are. Oh, a hundred percent. And you find out who the ones that truly are, that are with you either for whatever benefits that you give them for, for any reason, whether yeah. it's by money, by any type of status, any type of power that you have being in a position that like if I would, I a hundred percent agree with you is you are who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And if you're hanging out with guys who guys and gals that don't have much going on for them, you're too, you're too young to be wasting your time on people who aren't investing in you as well. Yeah. Show me your five best friends and I'll show Mm -hmm. you your future. You know, it's so true. And I, I think that, like you said, like time is very precious with what we have here and you know, obviously, as we get older, you kind of realize that even more with how you delegate things. So that's why I also like a lot of who I pick on my team, right? Because I spend a lot of time with those athletes. So it's like, I don't mind athletes that question me and like want to grow mm-hmm. too. I want you to grow as well. So if you have questions about things and I don't know the answer, I'm going to find it out. So I'd rather have kids that like push me to higher levels too. 
Granted, I did that myself for a long time. So you have to have that competitive nature. With yeah. You. Yeah, for sure. And like the other thing, things are always changing. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, there's always so much more stimulus going on. Right. Like, so if you're driving down the street and you have your music blaring and you're texting while driving, you have the windows down, like how much stimulus is coming at you during that time? You know? So I think that there's another art to this whole training system which is dealing with the real world and what's going on with today and learning how to maneuver as a coach to train differently. Like the way that we train now and the way we trained 20 years ago is completely different based off the stimuluses that are going around us. So I think that's really important. Like think about how often we have a screen around us. You think about like what's going on with our eyes and our like how people's breasts are more shorter now and how like things are, you know, even our sleep cycle and mm-hmm. how we're sleeping and how much caffeine we're taking in, let alone the demands that we're having from everyone else around us. So, you know, America definitely does it a bit different and a lot of the ways that we do, it's awesome and amazing. Um, but I, I think that there's some other things that may help with our longevity and may help with our quality in the long run too. How do you see the future of training going? I think if people aren't, are you still like asking me specifically or mm-hmm. like in general? In general. Okay. I think let's if, go with both. Okay. I think in general, if people aren't being more aware of what's going around them and have a global viewpoint, I think it could go really South really quick. I think there's some like really older men. I hate to put it that way, but that's usually who's in that seat. Older men that are very stuck in their ways and they're like, well, we did this back in the sixties and we're going to continue doing it that way. And it's like, okay, well things have changed and there's a lot better ways to do it out there. And there's a lot safer ways to do it out there. And there's ways that we can get quicker results too. So I think, um, it depends on how that looks. I think that you have to think more globally about a lot of things. And I think that you have to educate yourself on everything around you. Like you have to know a little bit about nutrition. You don't have to be a nutritionist, but you have to know somewhat about it. You have to know somewhat about your gut health, right? Like the more, you know, about some of that little stuff, the better athletes that you're going to bring in. Um, the more you go talk to hire people and the more that people stop listening to just Instagram, there's a lot of bad shit out there on Instagram, right? And that people are just putting out to put out just mm-hmm. because they want a lot of followers and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So I think that you definitely have to like, no one really likes reading research, but like learn or, you know, learn from those that actually are speaking the truth about a lot of stuff, which can be difficult to deviate what's truthful and what's not. Um, but I think that there, there's a lot of knowledge out there and some's just trash, So to be more global about things and um, try to look at good research and to try to grow a bit more that way with things. One question that was popping up to me a couple of times was how much does elevation and weather like in the air, like humidity, all that type of stuff, play a factor into when your athletes are performing? That's more like running. Just more running? Yeah, that's more running. I mean, obviously, so our big thing is more like the discus and like how mm-hmm. much air we get with the discus depending on. So like a lot of times teams will go out to like the West Coast where we, they can get a good wind. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in Texas, you'll get a good wind. We we were in Florida for regionals. We had a good wind there for like a left-handed thrower, but not a right-handed thrower. So like sometimes it just depends on like that. Altitude doesn't 
play a huge part for us. It's more the runners, especially distance runners. But like uh, sprinters are really big with running with where it's hot, mm-hmm. where we can kind of do a little bit when it's colder out. But like they're scared of hamstrings and stuff like that too. So a bit different. I'm scared of my hamstrings too. I'm, I'm scared of my Achilles. Oh, I've seen some like people rupture their Achilles. Oh, I've got some nasty things I could. Th- oh man. So, well, I can't really. Well, I could. Yeah, no, I could. So I know what they look like mm. when you're like exposed because we just had recently had a vehicle accident where they like his whole elbow was exposed and oh, everything. Man. And, like his arm was off actually. It was completely off. It was just hanging by some skin and then his ankles were off hanging by the skin too. It is wild looking at the human body, the anatomy and the muscle musculature, tendons, fats, the bones sticking out. The bones are white. Bones yeah. are very white. They look like bones like in drawings, like exactly yeah. what you think. It's it's wild to see on somebody. Yeah, I've done a few. Especially when they're alive. Obviously, maybe. that's completely different. I've done like yeah. cadaver labs. Yeah, I have never <laughs> done a cadaver. I've always wanted to do a cadaver. Yeah, lab. I'm surprised you guys haven't. No. Uh, we've What we've done, um, training, you see videos and stuff, like mm-hmm. live births and all that stuff. I was very close to delivering a baby. Um, very close. Like she was, she was popping. And I was like, this is it. Like she's going to name it after me and everything. Oh, wow. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and she held on to that thing until... She didn't want you to deliver it, no. No, I was too excited. No, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> no, she, it just, it was her first child, so it just took, her labor was a lot longer. Oh, but gotcha. I was super excited for it. I was ready to catch. Yeah. I was really ready for it. But it's, we never done, I have not done cadavers. I know when you go to paramedic school, I, I think you do cadavers in paramedic school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I would really like to. Yeah. I'd like to take a little trip. We we know, we have a, a funeral home down the road from us that I know when you're they're burning bodies at least yeah because all their chimneys are going through. oh man that's kind of smells weird. morbid <laughs> not really whenever you pass a funeral home and their chimneys rocking it's usually because they're cooking that doesn't make sense yeah I actually as odd as it sounds I do like learning from cadavers I'm more mm-hmm. like hands-on with that so it's fun to actually kind of see it in life mm-hmm. and not just see it from and a screen see how it works yeah i really like learning about the fascial system and growing with that so when i had a lot of back injury injuries i went with um fascial stretch therapy so i i had a lady up in cleveland that really helped me out a lot and we became good friends afterwards um but that was tremendous for my back and like i mean there were days where i couldn't walk and like i i went to her i literally was like rolling to get to her Mm -hmm. and i could i felt fine after i left her so I ended up getting certified in that because I want to learn more about what they did and how that helped me. And I didn't want my athletes to have the same experience. I guess I could take back. We do get, we get like dead pigs and stuff. Oh, okay. We're about to have like, I think next week we're doing pig lungs. Oh, that's fun. Which would be really cool. Pig lungs and a throat. Oh, nice. We've had brain, we're going to have brain, I think, which I'm excited. Yeah. That's, well, yeah, about pig brain. Like, <laughs> Which is weird, but we are at that hour mark. Oh, Want to yeah. go ahead and close this out? I guess so. I do have a couple calls to make with recruits. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come up here and do an episode with Yeah, me. for sure. This was fun. Check out more episodes of More with Stumpo on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you can listen to an episode on a podcast. Just go ahead and follow me on Instagram at More with Stumpo Podcast. And hit me up. Let me know who who next do you want me to try to talk to. I could reach out to them, see if they'd like to come on the podcast and share a little bit of their story. Maybe we can learn something together. So I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas if I don't post before then and a Happy New Year.